the doctor's lounge. Kind of information that doctors are speaking about in doctors' waiting waiting rooms and lounges all over the country. So um, uh, the show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. I'm not going to spend a lot of time promoting things this morning because I want to get right into the meat of the show. I have a uh, one of my favorite guests, very special lady, who uh, is a great friend of Docs for Patient Care Foundation and the show, uh, Sally Pipes, who... Um, is uh, getting up early on the West Coast to uh, be with us live this morning. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Hal. Sally Pipes is um, the the president and the CEO of the Pacific Research Institute. She is a a warrior in the fight against single-payer movement in this country for nationalized, socialized health care. Um, before I um, start get, having a conversation with Sally, I wanted to uh, promote her new book that came out this spring. Um, it's available on Amazon. It's The False Promise of the Single-Payer Health Care System. Um, it is a uh, very well-written, important um collection of of information that makes the case against the single payer healthcare system and uh, if you just look at the table of contents it pretty much says everything single payer nightmares in Canada and the United Kingdom um, the single payer healthcare disaster in the United States and what single payer plans are under consideration in uh, in the US Sally you um, have written extensively on this topic. I'm just going to share a few of the titles of, of so many of the of your pieces that have come out in the past uh, 18 months. Um, take single payer health care proposals seriously. Um, Bernie, stop fibbing about Canada's single payer disaster. Uh, in progressive America, all roads lead to single payer. Why the single payer healthcare system is bad for America? I can go on and on. You've written so extensively about this. I know you have um, personal experience with this as a Canadian. I want to start off by um, having you um, uh, share with our listeners why uh, you feel so strongly about um, keeping this. Uh, this kind of system out of the U.S., and maybe you can share your personal experiences um, that you have uh, had with your mom and and, uh, single-payer health care in Canada. Well, thank you so much, Hal, and thank you so much for all you do for Docs for Patient Care. I mean, it's a fabulous organization, and all docs really need to be supporting it rather than the AMA, which, of course, there aren't that many docs that actually do, but it seems to be, you know, the the, the go-to um, organization when the when the mainstream media talks about healthcare reform. Um, yes, I'm a passionate warrior against uh, single payer healthcare or Medicare for all. I've been fighting this since when I lived in Canada and worked at the Fraser Institute, and we started a project in the late '80s called Waiting Your Turn: A Guide to Waiting List, because the Canadian government had taken over fully the healthcare system in 1984. And people need to understand that in Canada, private healthcare is totally banned for anything that is considered medically necessary. So, um, you know, as time has gone on, the waiting times in Canada from seeing a primary care doctor to treatment by a specialist last year, 21.2 weeks. Mm. That's over five months. There are over 1 million Canadians out of a population of about only 34 million on a waiting list trying to get a doctor. And about 60,000 Canadians a year cross the border into the United States and pay for procedures and care that they feel the waiting time is too long. Including the Prime Prime Minister, the Premier of Newfoundland. Right. And so um, when when he was diagnosed, um, Danny Williams, with a heart problem that couldn't be treated promptly or even treated in Newfoundland, where he was the Premier, nor any or the waiting time to go to Toronto it was going to be too long, was too serious. So he went to Florida to um, the Mount Sinai Hospital in Miami and had his heart surgery and was successful. Came back to the U.S., t- came back to Canada, and the Canadian press said, "How could you possibly 
you know, go to the United States and have this done. Danny Williams said, it's my heart and it's my life, and therefore this was very important. And this is something that Americans need to think about as this whole movement that Bernie Sanders started as a, when he was running against Hillary Clinton in 2016 for the um, nomination to be president, uh, to be the Democratic candidate for president. He started it there with his Medicare for All bill, and it moved forward. Um, and so in 2017, he released another Medicare for All bill, and it um, had six, it has 16 Senate co-sponsors, including four um, senators who I think will want to become the Democratic nominee for president in 2020 or 24. Um, they are Kristen Gillibrand from New York, Cory Booker from New Jersey, Kamala Harris, the latest very liberal senator from California, and Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, all very liberal and all very committed to uh, single payer. And, you know, the Fraser Institute just came out, Hal, last week with a study showing that, you know, people like Bernie Sanders, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who defeated the 10-term Democrat in the primary in New York's 14th district, so involved and committed to single payer. Well, you know, these people come out and and talk about single payer, but they never talk about what it's going to cost, how it will be paid for. And so we have to really make, make the case that this is not going to be in the best interest of the American people. So um, I love what you, the quote that is in your book about single payers' siren song, which is appealing, and who wouldn't want free universal coverage that eliminates premiums, deductibles, and copays? Unfortunately, the reality of single payer doesn't comport with that promise. And this is this is what people like Alexandria. Ocasio-Cortez is saying she is um, appealing to the people in her generation, the younger people who unfortunately um, have uh, uh, no experience in the real world. They've never really had to uh, work or, or uh, purchase anything, so they, they, um, they are uh, falling Pray to to the uh, the the rhetoric and and the promise that uh, healthcare um, is a right; it should be free, and the government should provide it. And they don't really look at the cost, which has been estimated um, by uh, um, a, as high as thirty two trillion, an excess of thirty two trillion. Um, in a new study by the Mercatus Center at George Mason uh, University. Exactly. That's $32 trillion over 10 years. And as Charles Blayhouse said, I mean, even if you doubled corporate taxes and personal income taxes, it would not be enough to pay, you know, $3.2 trillion a year for a health care system. And it's a health care system that's not free. Um, the Fraser Institute's new study from last week showed that the average Canadian family of four pays in hidden taxes $13,000 a year. And so when you hear... People say it's free. It's not free. Government doesn't have money, Hal. We, the taxpayers, pay for the money that government spends on our behalf, whether whether we like it or not. And so, you know, very, very expensive. And there are costs involved, as you say. But isn't waiting time? Isn't that Sally? I mean, just just that that amount, three point two trillion a year. um, Please, you know, I, I I'd rather you say this than I. When when Medicare was introduced, what the the estimates of Medicare far um, uh, they they underestimated what the actual costs were going to be, and 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 by by a factor of of almost a hundred. Right, exactly. So when Lyndon Johnson and his Great Society were in um, on July thirty first, nineteen sixty five, Medicare. Um, became a reality, as did its accompanying program, Medicaid, the program for low-income Americans. They had, uh, the first year, um, Medicare cost $3 billion, and there was no Congressional Budget Office back then, but within the um, administration, they predicted that Medicare, by 1990, would cost $12 billion a year. And in fact, it cost $110 billion a year. So no government program ever costs what what it what is projected to cost? And I think that's the important thing about these numbers that came out from uh, the Mercatus Center um, and also 
um, what the Urban Institute did when they costed Bernie's plan in 2016 out at, at 32 trillion over 10 a year over 10 years, um, 32 trillion over 10 years. Um, these programs will cost a lot more because, as Canada found out, when people think something is free, they demand a lot more of it, and therefore the cost will go up significantly, much beyond the 3.2 billion a year which is projected. And in fact, that is what the U.S. spends in total on health care today. Right. So, so you you've brought up Canada several times, and and the only way to control costs is to pay less or ration care, or do both? And isn't that what happened to your mom? Yes, exactly. So uh, my mother, who was a senior, um, felt that um, she had, you know, had colon cancer. And so I said, well, you know, you need to go to the doctor. So she booked an appointment. People don't realize that in Canada, you don't call up your ophthalmologist or your OBGYN or your cardiologist. You have to go through a primary care doctor, and they decide whether you need to see a specialist. And that's where the wait time is on average five months. So my mother went to her primary care doctor, sort of felt around, um, did an x-ray of her, of her stomach and said uh, she did not have colon cancer. And I said, Mom, you do not discover colon cancer with an x-ray. You need a colonoscopy. So please call back and, and order up, get him to order you a colonoscopy. Well, um, he said to my mom, there are too many people on the waiting list, and at your age we cannot um, get you a colonoscopy. So being Canadian, Canadians and Brits are very polite, as you know. <laughs> and so you say, well, thank you very much. That, that's okay. And so, but by November, uh, by late November, my mother had lost 32 pounds and was hemorrhaging one morning. And so we got her to Vancouver General Hospital in an ambulance. She spent two days in the emergency room, two days in, a, in the transit lounge waiting for a bed in a ward. She got her colonoscopy all right, finally, in the hospital, but died two weeks later from metastasized colon cancer. If you ration care and you delay care, which is what happens under... Canada being the only developed country that actually outlaws private care. Britain allows private care to run parallel, and about 10% of Brits have it. But this is how you control costs, rationing care, um, long waiting times, and the fact that there will be a shortage of doctors because doctors' salaries are tied to what, in Canada, each provincial government is willing to pay for a procedure. And Bernie Sanders has said outright, and I think people haven't picked up on this, the Canadian system is not even as comprehensive as what he wants. He wants to add dental care, vision care, long-term care, much cheaper prescription drugs. So this is going to um, cost even a lot more. And so the 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 the, the issue will be, and, and doctors will be paid rates tied to Medicare rates. This is another way he's going to. He says costs will be cut. Well, as you know, how doctors are in decreasing numbers taking Medicare patients because the reimbursement rates are about 40% below what they get for treating people with private coverage. And so there will also in this country be a shortage of doctors because doctors will retire early from medicine. They're not going to, you know, put up with this. And even worse, I think, and which is of a concern to you and to me, the best and brightest young people are not going to go into medicine if they think that they're really just going to be union members and government is going to control how they practice medicine. Yes. Well, there's a number of startling facts that I've shared about young doctors. Eighteen um, percent of of doctors in medical school today um, won't even take care of a patient in their lifetime because they don't want to uh, um, get go down that road and be controlled by a hospital or the government and make no money. Um, and it gets worse. But I have you for one more segment before I know you have to leave. So we're going to break right now and come right back. So please stay with me and Sally Pipes this morning. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. 
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back in the Doctor's Lounge. My special guest this morning for one more segment is Sally Pipes, the president and CEO of the Pacific Research Institute and uh, one of the leading voices in America trying to um, uh, uh, fend off the single-payer nationalized healthcare, socialized healthcare movement. Um, Sally, in one of your um, many articles, I came across uh, a uh, an interesting statement about um, the the fact that um, single payer is gaining steam in some states, especially where you live in California, and you've been trying to uh, raise the alarm in California. And you've pointed out that there are those who say, oh, just let California have single payer. You know, let them have this experiment and and get get this out of their system and then everybody will wake up and and see what a bad idea this is. But that's exactly, you've pointed out, how this all started in Canada. Exactly how it started in Saskatchewan. Um, under um, a socialist from Scotland named Tommy Douglas, who became the premier, ultimately um, became the, um, the the head of the New Democratic Party for the whole country. But and the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, Canada's government-run radio and television system, named him the great the greatest Canadian for bringing nationalized healthcare to the country fully um, in 1984. And so, you know, it it starts slowly. It started with with the hospitals and then went to the docks. So here in California, um, in on June 1st, 2017, the, the California Senate um, passed SB 562, um, which was a single-payer bill, very comprehensive, pushed very hard by the nurses and the um, SEIU uh, union. Um, it passed, as I say, and the um, Senate Appropriations Committee um, costed it out at $400 billion a year for the state of California double the $200 billion of our total budget in California. Fortunately, the Democratic um, leader of the Assembly, the Speaker of the Assembly in California, Anthony Rendon, said the bill was woefully inadequate. He didn't know what the cost would be, and that's when they held several hearings to see is that $400 billion correct. You know, a Professor um, UMass Amherst said it was only going to be $300 billion. Regardless, <laughs> it is a ton of, of, of money, and we don't want to have California, the largest state in the nation, the world's seventh largest economy, to adopt this system. Because as you know with anything, it takes a while for it to actually get going. And if if California adopts it, we've seen in New York State, it's passed the state assembly in New York four times. Fortunately, the Senate is Republican-controlled and has not allowed it. That would be a $311 billion a year program. Vermont had to, um, when Governor Shumlin, the Democratic governor, had signed single-payer law into being in 2011. He had to withdraw it in 2014 because the cost, he said, would be too much. The tax increase is too great for the people of Vermont. Colorado voters um, in 2016 uh, rejected it, um, 79 to 21. Um, even the Democratic governor said no. So while you know we're seeing very, very expensive and some situations not working, Bernie Sanders and Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez have been going around the country campaigning on behalf of Democratic Socialists of America, campaigning for those candidates for governor, for the House, for the Senate, and state office um, for for single-payer. And it was I thought it was very good news, Hal, that in, in several of the states where they've been campaigning hard, Michigan for the governor, um, in Washington State, Kansas, um, Brent Welder, um, their candidates did not win. So I think with people like you and what we're doing, um, educating Americans on why single-payer is not going to be the free be-all and end-all for, for them. I think people are actually waking up. 
Perhaps, but uh, again, nobody can let their guard down. The the deputy chair of the Democrat um, National Committee is now the um, has has uh, assumed the um, the sponsorship of the John Connors version of single payer in in the House of Representatives. Well, exactly, and that's Keith Ellison from Minnesota. Um, and he is now one of the three co-chairs of the new, in addition to the, the um, um, House bill, which has 137 Democratic House sponsors, he is now one of the three co-chairs of the um, Medicare for All Caucus, which is himself, Debbie Dingell from uh, Michigan, and um, the um, House member from um, Washington State, uh, Ms. Um, um, uh, J- Jayapal, I think that's how you pronounce it, so, no, there's no question this is really something that is on the move um, from, from the extreme left. And they have the, the microphone for uh, the people in the mainstream media. So th- th- for people to say, some people will say to me, well, why are you bothering? This is never going to happen in America. Five years ago, I might have said maybe it won't happen anytime soon in America. That was just really progressive talking. Today, how... This is alive and well, yes. and, and there's a tremendous move for it. There are even Republicans who are supporting this, which is, well, which is scary. I know, and, and it's because they, don't, they, they, they just don't think about what it means for the... They don't the understand it. Doctors, hospitals, no. all of it. And I think another important thing is that the students now, students, the Physicians for National Health Insurance now has a wing called Students for National Health Insurance. They have... Um, chapters on 60 medical school campuses around the country. So this is where the young dogs are being educated and indoctrinated. Uh, indoctrinated, yes. Well, it's it's uh, but it's interesting that the the DCCC is warning their candidates not to be so um, in your face about single payer health care. It's almost like they want this to be a stealth campaign um, lest the the um, the uh, the public gets wind of what they're trying to do. Exactly, and I think you know it is a real litmus test. I mean that that you know the the Democrats have a problem on their hand because they have you know so many people on the, you know moved so far to the left, thinking that this is the way they will defeat the Republicans in the midterm elections and in in 2020. And I think you know the midterms are important, but even. You know, if, if, if the Democrats take back the House, I don't think they're going to take the Senate. I think the Republicans might gain in the Senate. I don't even think they'll take the House. But assuming they did, Medicare for All, which is their main agenda item for these midterms this November, the real time, the real issue for them is pushing it, getting it out there so that they can push it in 2020. Because with uh, the president being a Republican, um, even if it, it, you know, it, it would be impossible to get this plan through in 2020. Um, in 2018-2019, but certainly it's going to be a big um, cat fight um, in, in the 2020 presidential election. This is going to be a main issue, because as we know, in all the polling today that, that comes out, health care is the number one issue. It's still. And, 51, mm-hmm. and 51% of people polled support single-payer, as you say, even some Republicans. But it's because I think they are uneducated. They really don't know what what that even what means. means. And and what what it means, and what I'd like you to answer for everyone, um, in, in, in Great Britain, nationalized health care means one thing. In Canada, it's another thing. What, what do you think the progressives in the U.S., um, have in store for single payer? Will there um, be a role for um, any private insurance in this country? And and if not, what do these people think is going to happen to their health care? Well, exactly. So under under Bernie Sanders' plan, um, Alexandra Ocasio Cortez, all of these people, um, Ben Jealous, who is the Democratic nominee for um, governor for Maryland. His plan is being costed out at $24 billion. The total budget for uh, Maryland is only uh, $44 billion. All of these people, they want a true single payer. They do not want a plan where private health care can run parallel, like in the U.K., because the United Kingdom, people, when people in Canada went to the U.K. to find out about 
setting up the National Health Service and setting up then the Canadian system, they said their biggest mistake was allowing people to compare, i.e. private health care to run parallel. So a true single-payer system, like in Canada, like in Cuba, like in North Korea, completely outlaws any any private coverage. And as, as, as we know in the U.K., National Health Service just turned 70 on July 5th. It's a catastrophe with waiting lists, um, um, people um, dying, not being able to get treatment, two big demonstrations in London against the NHS. So this, so I don't know where these people that are touting this think, are they going to have special treatment? Just like in Canada, when Danny Williams went to Florida, um, um, Robert Bourassa, when he was Premier of Quebec, went to Bethesda, Maryland, and had his melanoma uh, treatments done there. Where are we as Americans going to go if we um, throw the baby out with the bathwater and end up with a true single-payer mm-hmm. healthcare system. Uh, you know, the question is, the best and brightest are in medicine here. We have the very best, and we need to make a few changes. But empowering doctors and patients, as you know, how is the way to go, not empowering the federal government. You know, we, we're going to only have a few more minutes till the break, and I, we're gonna, you're gonna, I know you need to go, but, but and, and it's not fair for me to bring this subject up with so little time, but you wrote a piece about the VA, and your your um, piece is entitled "The VA Poor Model for Singer pay- Payer Healthcare System," and I disagree with you a hundred percent. I think it's an excellent model for singer, single payer healthcare because nothing demonstrates better than the VA system the weakness of a single payer healthcare system like we have here in this country with the VA. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I didn't look at it that way, but you're absolutely right, Hal. I mean, I debated um, um, uh, Uwe Reinhardt from Princeton a few years ago at an international conference, and he interrupted me and said, when I was talking about single payer and what it means for patients and doctors and, and everyone, and he said, Sally, we have an example of a single payer model in this, in this country, and it works extremely well. And I said, well, Uwe, what is that? And he said, the VA. Unfortunately, he passed away. Um, either late last year or early this year. But, you know, in, in the last couple of years... He wasn't a veteran, was he? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> well, I know he was originally German who went to Canada and came to the U.S. Yeah. So it's a terrible... It's a, it is an example, and I think our vets need to get out and speak about why the system is not working for them and why the VA should be privatized, and we'll see what happens, um, you know, with, with the... I think it's the third um, new head... Um, uh, not uh, approved for being head of the VA. Exactly. I know the president wants it to be privatized and give vets more options. Well, I've I've said for many years that the VA should get out of the um, acute care business and turn all the VA hospitals into long term. treatment centers for for PTSD or chronic diseases or a nursing skilled nursing facility and just let the veterans get their health care outside of a government-run system. So we are at the hard break, and I know that you have other commitments this morning. So, Sally, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us, and I hope that you'll come back soon and we can continue this conversation. Well, thank you so much, Hal, and best of luck with all that you do because you're out there with the doctors helping them to understand why this is not a good idea and why a recent poll showed 62% favor docs, favor single payer now, up, up from 42% in 2008. So keep up the fight, and we will ultimately win. I agree with you. Thank you so much, Sally Pipes. Thanks, Hal. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings for Medicine on Call and participate in a lively conversation. Learn what's happening behind the headlines in medicine. Understand Obamacare and learn how to protect yourself and navigate the system.
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back in the Doctor's Lounge. Um, I hope that you enjoyed the first two segments of today's show with my guest, Sally Pipes, who is always entertaining and informative and has... You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Sorry about that. That was uh, that was a little glitch in our in our board. Again, I wanted to uh, thank uh, Sally Pipes for being with us this morning, and I hope that everybody um, found what she had to say um, uh, informative. I hope that they were a little bit scared by what she had to say, and will uh, um, not just sit back but uh, take an active role in trying to. Uh, stop this movement that's happening around the country with um, Democrat socialists who I actually uh, <laughs> lovingly call national socialists because they act more like fascists than Democrats trying to uh, keep conservative uh, voices like mine and others um, uh, silenced so that they can't uh, uh, be challenged from the rhetoric that they are uh, putting out there about their ideas, and the one that I'm most concerned about, or um, that t- uh, tops my list, is their healthcare agenda, which is to get to a single payer, which is really um, a very scary thought. It is um, not a uh, um, a far-fetched idea any longer, as you heard Sally Pipes say. She's been talking about the Canadian system for um, for decades um, and every every time that I'm with her we get into this conversation about her personal experiences which are really chilling with her mother um, the, um, the the Democrats are they can't um, uh, f- seem to uh, um, the, they, the litmus test for them is uh, single payer, and the there's a there's a, a cat fight going on in the Democrat Party to see who can be most leftist with these ideas, and um, it, it it matters little to them whether or not their these these ideas, especially their healthcare ideas. Um, uh, can actually realistically be implemented, and in this case, they they can't because we can't afford the the kind of system that they're trying to uh, uh, impose. Now they will say that of course we can afford it. We can um, we can uh, uh, stop paying the premiums that you are paying right now. You know there are some people who are paying. Quite a bit, sometimes um, as much as forty thousand dollars a year on their health care between their insurance premiums and their uh, deductibles and their copays and other out of pocket expenses and These people contend that in a nationalized system, the amount that these the individuals will pay will be far less than that, but they fail to tell th- the public that in order to pay for that. They're going to have to pay more in taxes. And if you remember back in the uh, Jimmy Carter era, um, where uh, taxes were in the uh, 70% uh, range, the highest bracket, at one point, actually, the highest bracket was um, uh, pre, I believe it was uh, pre-Ronald um, Reagan, it was in the 90%. Uh, um, range. Could you? Who will work for ten uh, percent of the money that they earn 
um, nowadays. I, I think that that is just not going to happen, and nobody who is a producer is going to continue to um, produce the way that they do. So these these socialist ideas about about just taking more money from those who can afford to pay is is so. Um, anathema to capitalism and our way of life and and these people really hate America they hate our way of life and they um, romanticize about socialism and about um, what it would be like if there was equality over all strata with regard to economics and opportunities and and um, the the, um, the 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 fact is that competition breeds success, and to take that away and to try to um, say that everybody is treated the same, you get the same care, you get the same pay, you don't have to um, work harder um, because it's just going to be provided. Is, is the socialist dream. And um, that's not what our country is founded on. And although as physicians we believe that health care is something that should be available to everybody and we should try to make it work so that everybody has access to, um, to uh, quality health care, it is not a right like the left wants people to believe. It is a responsibility of a of a um, compassionate society to make sure that those um, services, those resources, are available to everybody, and we should do our very very best to make sure that it is available. But to try to equalize this across the entire country is dumbing down or it's lowering the quality for everyone and we see that happening in Great Britain we see that happening in Canada and people need to ask themselves is that really what we want and the people these the leftists the Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Bernie Sanders and now Elizabeth Warren and uh Gavin Newsom, the, who's likely going to be the governor of California, and the list goes on and on. This crowd, they are, they are um, trying to deliver a message that health care um, should be controlled by the federal government, and when that happens, it will be better for everybody, when in fact there are more examples than I can possibly give in a in a one-hour radio show how th- that is actually not the case, how it is the opposite. In, in Great Britain, the, there were recent articles <clears throat> that appeared in both the New York Times and in the Wall Street Journal that uh, reported the problems with the National Health Service in Great Britain. The National Health Service in Great Britain they they are in major trouble. They are they are um, hemorrhaging um, dollars. They cannot um, raise enough money to prop up this system. <clears throat> and this is in a country where so many people already are getting their health care in the parallel private market, as Sally Pipes said earlier. And the only way that they're able to continue to run that system is by um, rationing the care. They have a, um, a, a board in, in Great Britain called the National um, Institute of um, Comparative Effectiveness, or NICE, and, um, and it is looking at the, the um, different metrics that um, that constitute care. So a disease, the age of the patient, what kind of treatment is available, and they measure in quality of life years. They give a, a actual monetary score to what they think the life expectancy of somebody is. And if it exceeds a certain amount of money per year, if the treatment would be 
$100,000, let's say, to um, to uh, treat somebody with cancer and they only have 18 months to live, then this board would say that that amount of money is not justified and they would not approve treatment for that patient. And that's that's how they are able to continue to give care to everybody. And even with that, there is still 5 million Brits on the waiting list to be seen. Their metrics, which they have been so proud of, in their national, in their 70-year-old national healthcare system, are actually starting to um, deteriorate. There are cracks in the wall. The life expectancy in Great Britain has actually gone down one year over the last decade. That's that is unbelievable because with advances in medicine, in uh, in in advances in um, uh, diagnostics and everything in the Western world, the life expectancy is actually increasing. It's increasing in the U.S., but not in Great Britain. And one of, the, one of my favorite metrics, the one that I love to debate um, leftists about, is infant mortality. In it, in in uh, the um, rankings of the World Health Organization, they love to point out that the U.S. is in the bottom third of infant mortality compared to countries um, like uh, uh, Morocco or Turkey, which is absurd. And the reason why the infant mortality is low in many of these countries is because of reporting. The um, in, in the United States, when a baby is born, no matter how early they're born, no matter how premature, if that baby succumbs, if that baby expires, that is counted as a as infant mortality. So you can have a 23-week baby who stays alive for a week in a neonatal intensive care unit and then dies of of lung complications. That is an infant mortality in the United States. Not so in the rest of the world. In the rest of the world, a baby needs to be a full-term baby before they're counted as a live as a live birth, as a as an infant mortality. And if a if a premature baby at 38 weeks dies in in um, in the uh, in the UK, they're not counted as a live birth. In some countries, they extend it even beyond term. Term is 40 weeks. That's how long a woman carries a baby um, before they're expected to deliver. In some countries, the they may not count a, a baby as dying until they're 44 weeks. And and so they can artificially uh, elevate their infant mortality statistics by not counting certain things. Well, in Great Britain, which is, is one of those countries, their infant mortality has actually worsened over the last decade. So this is what's happening in the national health system. You know, emergency room visits is a is a metric that people like to use, and um, the four hour mark, which is is crazy, um, to have to wait in an emergency room for four hours, and yet that's the metric that's used. Um, in in uh, Great Britain, over a quarter of the patients have had to wait more than four hours to be seen in the emergency room, and some some of these people actually if they have to be admitted to the hospital where there has been a tremendous decrease in the number of hospital beds over the last several decades they have to wait in gurneys in the halls in waiting in uh, in uh, emergency room waiting rooms like that has happened in Canada with Sally Pipesma we'll we'll conclude this uh, show in the next segment about the dangers of the single-payer healthcare system, so please stay with us. 
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being with us today in the Doctor's Lounge. We've been talking again about single-payer health care. You know, 10 years ago when I started, um, actually a little more now than 10 years ago, when I started uh, um, uh, becoming an activist in health care, and I, I thought that I was fighting Obamacare and I was um, uh, looking for alternatives to, to uh, what was happening with uh, further government intrusion into health care. I never dreamed that my, my real fight would be ag- against a nationalized socialist health care system. But I am becoming... Uh, more and more concerned about this becoming a reality because the, the young people who are um, undereducated in our colleges are coming out not understanding the real world, being given information that's really disinformation about um, about our country, about reality. And um, and even people who are educated, who are um, in in uh, medicine, in um, in in government, they are uh, they're they're buying this this uh, this nonsense, this this garbage about how a single payer healthcare system could actually be better than what we have right now. And this is exactly the socialist playbook to to throw a monkey wrench into a system, screw it up, and then come riding on their white horse with the solution, which is, in this case, to fix health care by having the government step in and take over. And that was what those of us who were fighting against Obamacare had said all along that Obamacare wasn't really the 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 end it was the means to get to this point which is the discussion about single-payer health care and this is a real discussion that is being um, that's being conducted in in mainstream media it's being conducted in in the halls of state and federal government. It's being um, discussed by people who have the ability to actually move down this road. And this is something that needs to be fought vigorously. It needs to be stamped out. The leftists need to be exposed for who they really are because they are looking to control your health care and once your health care is controlled then they've got you and then everything else you're dependent on the government for and don't think that this is just hyperbole that this is 
um, that this is uh, Chicken Little saying that the sky is falling. This is the playbook for socialized um, for socialism in every single country in which it was implemented. The very very first thing that they do is they look to take over the healthcare system. They did it in the Soviet Union. They did it in Cuba. They did it in Venezuela. They did it in um, in China. They did it everywhere. And that's the the ultimate goal in this country because the the um, the path to controlling people is through their health care. It's very interesting that um, the left has no problem saying that um, that people who work at McDonald's should get a, uh, a a minimum wage of $15 an hour. But doctors who work far, far more hours, and if you look at how many hours they put in, in the course of, of you know, a, a week, very often are making less than that when you when you factor in all the hours that they're putting in and yet they have no trouble looking at doctors and saying that we're getting that doctors are being paid too much money compared to their Canadian or their British counterparts so they should earn less unfortunately um, newly minted doctors in this country um, earn or, or um, are on the hook for at, at the average, two hundred thousand dollars in medical school costs. If they went to a Ivy League medical school and were not on scholarship, it could be four hundred thousand dollars. If they went to an Ivy League university and were not on on scholarship, they may owe another two hundred thousand above that. They'll never pay this back. You know, this is why we're hearing the the young people saying free college, free education. That happens in socialized countries, and that's why they can, you know, pay doctors in Canada or in the in the UK um, next to nothing. In the UK, a doctor there, the average doctor um, earns. Um, around uh, between seventy thousand and a hundred thousand pounds annually, and and that's why many of these doctors need to supplement their income in a national healthcare system. Well, if that's outlawed, like it is in Canada, then these doctors are are leaving Canada. They're they're dying to come to the U.S. to work. Um, many. Canadian doctors who are trained find themselves unable to work because there's just no jobs for them, even though the demand is great and the waiting list, as we heard from Sally Pipes, is over a million people on the waiting list to be seen. There's just not enough money for these doctors to be hired and to create jobs. In Canada, the number of beds that um, are in hospitals has been cut by 40% over the last decade. Um, there is there is uh, a tremendous, tremendous um, belt tightening in, in Canada, in the UK, and everywhere where there's socialized medicine. But getting back to the U.S., I just want to uh, point out that with doctors, um, the, the strains on doctors are enormous. Um, let me digress and talk about the British Medical Association study that found that more than 60% of their physicians reported increased stress over the last year and 50% low or very low morale. And that's led to a threefold increase in early retirement, which is making this doctor shortage even worse. Um, British general practitioners no longer find satisfaction practicing medicine. And one of the comments in the British Medical Association survey was that the only way to survive in the national health care system is, quote, to take risks and cut corners, just what you don't want to hear your doctor saying. Now, even without nationalized health care, 
U.S. doctors are under tremendous strain already. The, there's a, a new growing um, uh, um, issue called physician burnout, and it's very real, and it leads to um, depression, to um, anxiety, to um, all kinds of uh, eating disorders or drug addiction, and suicide. Physician suicide is a huge problem, and every day, almost two doctors in the United States commit suicide. And this is because of the the strains on doctors, bureaucratic overreach by government regulation, insurance red tape, intrusion into physician practices by all of the watchdogs overlooking doctors, increasing overhead, decreasing reimbursement. These are just some of the many problems that have contributed to the low morale of the doctors in the United States. And socialized health care, nationalized health care, in my opinion, is going to be the tipping point for doctors in the United States. And that's going to just lead to an exodus, uh, a, a rush for the exits by doctors in the, in the U.S., and good luck finding a doctor. And if Sally Pipes is right, and there is no parallel system in the U.S., God help these leftists, all of these people who are upset with what we have now because what they're going to get is going to be significantly worse, especially when the people who are taking care of them are either um, more difficult to find, less experienced, or um, or not even doctors, and that's that's uh, that is the the reality of the direction that we will be going in. In uh, if the if the uh, Democrat socialists get their way. Um, in the last couple of minutes, I just wanted to give a plug for um, the upcoming uh, direct primary care. Um, conference that Docs for Patient Care Foundation runs each year. Our conference will be in October. Um, believe it or not, we uh, we have this this conference is um, put on by our foundation with a generous uh, grant given to us by the Physicians Foundation, which is a wonderful organization that supports. Um, doctors in, uh, in, in practice around the country. And, um, and we have, uh, had, uh, a successful conference for the last two years. It's actually, I think, um, the premier direct primary care conference in the U.S. And, um, I don't think you will find very, um, many people who have attended this conference who would disagree. We have many repeat attendees. They keep coming back. And we have a all-star cast of faculty members who are the who's who of people in direct primary care. And the, the um, grant money from the Physicians Foundation pays for um, a certain number of doctors to attend for free. They have to um, give a deposit, which they get back, but we encourage them to donate that small deposit um, of $200 to the um, Docs for Patient Care Foundation to help us continue doing our work like this show. Um, but there are still other slots open, and we can. you'll have to pay for them, but I promise you that you will not see a better conference, plus you get almost 12 CME credits. So go to our website, d4pcfoundation.org, and read about the upcoming conference, and please plan to attend. So thanks for being with us this week, and we'll look forward to you uh, coming back to see us uh, next week with my, Dr. Mike and myself in two weeks.
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Obamacare is failing, but in order to get back on the right track with health policy, people need to be informed. Obamacarewatch.org is your resource to understand what's happening with this law and what you can do to stay active, stay informed, and make positive change happen. Obamacarewatch.org. Visit us now. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This show is going to be a little bit different because it's going to talk about a topic that has a lot of heat and not much light 